0: Delco, what is Delco? Urban Dictionary, maybe the best
1: definition of any place in the history of any place. Delco is the nickname for Delaware County, not just a place to live, it's a way of life. Delco isn't something you
0: obtain with a short visit while you're passing through, never has been, or don't actually live here, you just won't understand. Delco is something you can spot across the bar while out of town. Speaking of bars, there's 42 to one ratio when it comes to bars to libraries and it's cool to be a 26-year-old barback. back. You're just waiting for your big break. Delco people love being from Delco. I don't know if there's anything
1: special from Delco, except being a Delco guy, I kind of like it.
0: All right. What is up, Delaware County? And welcome back for episode 37 of Delco Baseball Now. My name is Brennan Ricciardi. I'm here in Westchester, Pennsylvania. I'm joined by Ben Thorpe and Concha Hawkin. And Ben, I'm still sore from this uh, this workout today.
2: Yeah, the, I honestly like more from Monday still. My hamstrings and back are destroyed. We'll see, we'll see how it feels, how everything feels tomorrow when I wake up. I'm a big, like, I feel great until the next two days, and it's just, I'm cooked. So, yeah,
0: I know a lot of people that, you know, uh, there was a kid on our team, uh, a pitcher, Tyler Reinhardt, who always said the day after he pitched, he felt okay. It was the day after that, that second day, where he's like, I feel like I'm going to die.
2: So, that's when I pitch, it's the the day after where it's just done. And then, and then usually I get like a little, uh, it kind of gradually gets better. With lifting, it is two days for me. I don't know why. It's like a weird. It doesn't really make any sense, yeah. but I don't know.
0: Yeah, well, uh, I guess this would be a good time to talk about what we're doing here. So we've teamed up with the guys at Motive Sports. It's a, uh, it's a baseball training facility in Chats Ford, maybe technically Garnet Valley. I don't know. It's, it's by Garnet Valley High School. So Mark Gervaisi plays for the uh, now non-existent Springfield Colonials of the Delco Leagues. So we'll see where R&D. his uh, where his yeah where his free agency goes. And Mike Cavalero uh they're both baseball players they used to play at uh university of the sciences and they kind of reached out to us they were kind of you know getting things started with their facility because they've had a physical therapy facility that they've been you know operating out of that mike has been a part of but they kind of teamed up to start doing baseball training stuff and the main thing i take out of this is these guys are very smart and they're very calculated in what they do
2: yeah no that's i think in and I think we can both attest to it these dudes know their stuff like in going in I mean they had us they had you go in earlier I I went in last Friday for just kind of like a assessment day type thing and um, the, the type of stuff I found out about myself just from that and like what they told me based on my results has been incredible I think it's like, within a day, like, got a lot of stuff that I can work on to make myself a better baseball player, basically.
0: Yeah, like, I was going through just standard testing, and Mike looks at me, he's like, did you break that ankle recently? I'm like, uh, <laughs> yeah. How How can you tell? He's like, the mobility is so much worse on, you know, your left side as compared to your right. He's like, did you feel like this year there were a lot of times where you, like, rolled over to second and, you know, weren't driving the ball? I'm like, "I'm, I'm like, yeah, dude. Yeah, like, all the time. Yeah, yeah. he's like, well, be, you know. Because your ankle mobility, like you have trouble keeping that weight on the back leg, and, and that l- leads to you kind of falling forward and not being able to hit the ball. And I'm just like, anything else you want to tell me about myself? Yeah, like- I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, the main idea with them is it's a combination of training and also content. Because what we want to be able to do for them is, you know, it's kind of a it, it's kind of a perfect match because you know we have you know, got a a good audience going of all you lovely Delco baseball fans. And, you know, we've built up a good platform here, but, you know, we don't really have much in terms of funds yet. We don't really have much in terms of revenue. Meanwhile, you switch it around. These guys are just getting started in terms of having uh, their, you know, their audience because it hasn't really started growing yet, but they have the facilities, they have the money, they have everything they need. So putting us together, it's a perfect match in that regard.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. I think this was like when you first kind of reached out to me about it, I was like, yes, yes. Like that. That's, it's been, and it's been really cool so far. It's, if, if you are looking for a place to come train and if you're, you know, college pro guy who might be listening to this for some reason, um, like really should consider them they there. It's been, we've been there for a little bit over a week now. It's been really awesome.
0: Yeah. And, you know, not only are they good at telling you what to do, they're good at telling you why you're, you're doing it. Like they're good mm. at explaining, you know, because like so I'm sure some workout plans like, all right, they'll give you this. Say, go do it. You know, whatever. But it's like everything that they're doing, they're finding a way to tie it back to baseball and tie it back to like, you know, understanding your body and. And I think their main goal is to, is to keep people healthy, which is obviously something yeah. that you know i I've we both struggled with. You know, obviously, some my, mm-hmm. my last ankle injury was a, was a fluke, but it's you know staying healthy is obviously the main goal here, and these guys do a good job at that. So we'll be doing content with them. We're going to try and do stuff where you know we post videos of like workouts they do, talk to them. Uh, definitely plan to have them on the show at some point to elaborate more. But you know, I know that basically their goal here. Was to try and you know get some content going, so when these college guys come back from their breaks and stuff, it's another place for them to train. And even high school guys, man, like you know, it's right by Garnet Valley. So anybody that's playing Delco, you know, baseball in high school, it's it's right around there. Um, they don't have any like cages or anything. So right now, it's it's just the the lifting and training aspect. But you know, it's 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 a good idea, and they're they're very analytical. They're very smart. They have a lot of cool technology there. So. Looking forward to doing stuff with them. All right, let's move on here to uh, – it's kind of our final send-off here for the Media Little League squad here. Uh, we're going to be joined uh, – this This is being recorded Wednesday night. Tommy Bradley is going to come on Thursday afternoon. We'll put it all together. But uh, this is kind of our farewell for this Media Little League team. And, Ben, I know you obviously weren't able to make it, but you saw the videos of the parade, right?
2: Yeah, dude, that looks like so much fun. I've heard, I mean, from you and – I guess mostly from you, but it's—I've heard a lot of good things about the parade. That, that was—it looked like a really cool event, and looked like a lot of people came out, which I'm happy, man. Those guys deserve it, and like it's—it is a—I mean, it's been God knows how many years since the Delco team went to the Little League, like since '67. Yeah, they deserve it, man. It's—it's it's a lot of hard work, and it's cool that they got like one final kind of send-off sesh, like thank you from everyone that you know got to follow them this whole summer.
0: Yeah, you know, when they – I was talking to both Tommy and head coach Tom Bradley's dad about this, and, you know, they had, like, a little parade when they won the state championship as kind of a send-off to regionals. But, like, it's a lot different when, like, the road has come to an end. You know, you can actually take it in and enjoy. Like, I'm sure, knowing Tommy especially, like, that parade as the send-off, it was, like, cool, but it's kind of like, hey, like, we need to stay focused. Like, keep all the outside noise out. But, you know, just getting to see them walk down, like, I mean, there were – I would probably say thousands of people there, if not hundreds, I would say probably thousands. Cause I mean, they went all the way down state street, like right from before, you know, quotations or state street pub, uh, which I'll never call. It's always quotes all the way down, you know, pass off the rail. And, uh, and you know, it was, it was really cool and uh, it was hot, but it was, it was worth it. And uh, you know, I'm just happy they got to experience that like as a kid and no matter what level, I mean, you got a parade in your honor, right?
2: Yeah, that's I don't know. That's something that very few people get to experience. Also, shout out to the dude that was throwing the candy like full speed into the crowd of kids. That was so funny. So it actually,
0: so they were foam baseballs. (laughs) That's what they were. The video that I posted, uh, that honestly, like, there was so much happening. I didn't even know when I posted it until the guy Kyle Pagan from Crossing Broad had like quote tweeted it. Uh, I didn't realize <laughs> that he threw it in the video, but yeah, they were all they were like mini foam baseballs because, like, I I guess I don't I was never really that big into this, but like I guess these kids were like obsessed with autographs. Really? Yeah, like that wasn't really something that I guess I like I wasn't really big like trading card guy or stuff like that, but like you know at the ceremony I got some good pictures of it like Crowley, huh. Dan like all these guys are like signing these balls to like to give to the kids and and whatever and uh yeah I, I guess I didn't really expect that but it was cool i mean they look up to these guys
2: yeah that is really cool i didn't like yeah i wasn't my, i was a trading card guy like i, I always loved the uh back one they had like upper deck and you could get the points and then like use them towards prize and stuff i was huge on that um i never really like an autograph or anything that but that's really cool it's gotta be like a cool i don't even i don't know that anyone's ever asked me for an autograph for baseball playing so like that's gotta be awesome to have that at like 12
0: um so last year at the club world series there was we were in lander south carolina lander university is i guess greenwood south carolina okay and uh they had a bunch of kids there they were like asking of course i'm on crutches at this point (laughs) because i broke it two days before uh which honestly it was kind of a wholesome thing where it was like you know i was in obviously such a bad mood right like i'm hurt i can't play in it but like these kids still you know Treated me like I was a superhero to them, like wearing my Penn State jersey and everything. So that was really cool. cool. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, you know, you don't really realize how many people are behind you until it happens. But with that being said, it's time to talk to the the face of the uh, Delco Baseball youth uh, coaching circuit right now uh, and one Tommy Bradley. All right, we are now joined by Media Little League assistant coach Tommy Bradley, now a recurring guest on the show after the Tokyo League Finals last year. Tommy, thanks for coming on. How you doing?
1: Uh great. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, of course. Now, uh how's life been for you since, you know, this season ended? Like if things kind of just like calmed down a little bit? Um,
1: yeah, I mean, it's it's a little uh it's a little strange getting back to reality, you know. Coming back home. I don't have cameras in my face 24/7. Um you know, a lot less interviews, stuff like that. It's, it's uh, it's definitely nice. But uh, you know, part of me still misses, you know, the fame. I guess you could say. Is it nice not having to filter yourself anymore? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, uh, it's nice looking down knowing I don't have a mic on me, uh, twenty four
0: seven. Yeah, I, I talked with Ben about this, uh you know, cause he wasn't in Bristol, but I was, and just having to be like, I remember the first game we went to at Ridley, like, I think it was, it was either Skoranek or somebody had like a bad base running decision and you were like letting him have it. I'm like, yeah, that stuff doesn't fly when you're on ESPN anymore. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's true. Yeah. That's, the uh, that was one thing, you know, you don't want to be that guy on national TV, you know, yelling at these kids. Um, and people just take it the wrong way from my perspective. Um, Like, these kids respond really well to that stuff. Um, I've been coaching them since they were 10 years old. So being able to give them constructive, like, criticism and they respond to it in a positive way is, you know, beyond their years.
0: So, yeah, how did you you get involved with coaching this team? You know, obviously you and your dad have been a part of it, but, you know, you guys don't have any siblings on the team, no family. Like, how did you get into starting when they were 10?
1: So – I actually started coaching over at, um, on deck in, I guess it was the, I joined around like winter 2020, like the start of 2021. And I actually started with this age group, these, uh, now 12 year olds going on 13, but when, when they were 10 and I had a couple kids on my team that played over at media and it was cool just kind of having conversations with them, you know, learning about how the league's doing and stuff. And. My dad always wanted to get back into coaching. Ever since he stopped coaching, like my teams, he was always itching to get back into it. And when he found out that I was going to be coaching, he was kind of like, you know what, I'm going to go back. So he went back to media, uh, just joined the team in like the major League in-house just as an assistant coach just to help out, you know, get his feet back in. Um, And probably a month after he got back into it, they were asking him, like, hey, like, would you have any interest in, like, coaching one of the district teams? And he was like, ah, I don't know, blah, blah, blah. So he came home and talked to me about it a lot. And he said, like, I think I kind of want to do it. And, um, like, would you be willing to help me? And I was like, ah, you know, I don't know, blah, blah, blah. We were kind of going back and forth, like, pros and cons, all this stuff. Um, so we both decided to do it. And we started 10-year-old year group of kids i think our first game we ever played was a scrimmage against i believe it was marble and we go out there and we lost 12 nothing in four innings didn't have a single hit um all 12 outs were strikeouts like we were a rough group so me and him go home and we're sitting there like what did we get ourselves into um yeah so that was something like we're like looking back like oh god like how did we end up here um But, yeah, you know, these kids put their trust in us. We gave them all the knowledge we could. And over the span of three years, uh, they all, you know, took giant leaps of improvement.
0: So, obviously, you know, that Aston Middletown group had kind of had your number when you guys were 10 and when you were 11. Got the chance to play them again at the 12-year-old level. How were you guys able to get over that hump? Because you would have thought you guys won the World Series that night just based (laughs) on, like, just, like, the weight off your shoulder from beating them.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, that team is incredible. Nothing but respect for all those players, coaches. You know, I'm really close. I coach a lot, a bunch of those guys over at On Deck. Um, You know, really good group of kids and stuff. And they were just really talented. And they were always a tough team to beat. And, you know, they got the best of us the past two years. And coming into this year, I think one of our worries was more on the side of how will the kids react to – we're going to run into them most likely. Um, and obviously they got the better hand uh, the past two years. So coming into this year, we're like, you know, are they going to be positive? Are they going to be negative? You know, how are they going to respond to another big moment? And I noticed from early on, like practices, even in like June where these guys were like, we're ready to go. We're like, we're going to kick their butts this year. You know, all this stuff like, all, like pause like, positive attitudes through the roof and even like us coaches were like where'd this come from like we couldn't believe it and I think with that positive attitude just became this grind where every day they showed up for practice and for two hours straight you're getting 110 percent out of these 12 12 year olds which is not something you expect um so them being able to really commit to the grind, put in the work, have these tough practices. Um even like leading up to districts, it was every day nonstop. Um I don't even think we gave them a single day off before districts. We even practiced like fourth of July morning. Like it was it was nonstop. Um we had our two a day practices. But, yeah, I mean, they really committed, put in the work. And when we got to that championship game in districts, they were very loose. And they went out there and they were like, this is our year to, you know, show people what we got.
0: Yeah, and they made this statement early. Uh, I remember since the game was at Haverford, I had to park like a half mile down the street. And I get there at like seven oh one, And the first thing I see is Graden hit a bomb to dead center. And I'm like, damn, I already missed the fun. Like, it's already 3 nothing in the first inning. Um, but yeah, you know, just seeing that game and like just what it meant for the program, like did it almost feel like anything after that in a way was like playing with house money? Cause it's like you guys trained in a way, it kind of reminded me of that that Bulls documentary where it's like Jordan and the Bulls kept losing to that same pistons team and they finally put in the extra work, like almost just to beat them.
1: Yeah, I mean, in the beginning, that's our only goal because they got the best of us. They were over the past two years, they were the only team that ever beat us. And we kept thinking and, you know, sitting there and going over all these, you know, different scenarios. And we're telling ourselves like, you know, we got to go out there. We got to get better. We kept preaching to the kids that, yeah, they worked really hard the past two years, but we know it wasn't enough. So for them to realize like they have to even give more effort is something obviously beyond them. Um but, yeah, they were able to go out there, put in the work. We went out there. We got the job done. And then, yeah, going forward, it was kind of just like that district hangover, I guess you could say, where it was like, you know, we beat the team. We, like, we achieved our biggest goal. And now it's like wake up and just go play baseball. That's all it was from then on. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, you guys had a lot of uh, you know, it's it's the cliche, but you guys had to battle through a lot of adversity this year. You know, the definitely the biggest, most pivotal moment of the run was when Chase D'Ambrosio broke his elbow in the uh, in the state tournament. It's a moment that could have, you know, metaphorically ended your season right there. What was what was your message to the guys and like how were they able to kind of respond from that and put probably your two best offensive performances the next two days without him?
1: Um, it was definitely a tough message from all of us. I mean that night, everybody that was in attendance could see that us coaches were, like, visually, like, very upset. Um, obviously, you never want to see a kid get hurt, especially in a situation like that where he was doing so good. He struck out, like, six guys in a row, like, something crazy. Um Yeah. And I mean, such a great kid, you know, most respectful kid like I've ever met. Um, and he goes out there, he keeps his head down, puts in the work. He, you know, he doesn't talk much. He's the definition of somebody that leads by example. So for him to, you know, go down, it was really tough for us because he's, you know, one of our big guys, he's a guy that a lot of the other guys looked up to, tried to follow after him. Um, so when he went down, it was, it was tough. Um, the biggest message to the team really was just, you know, we got to stay positive and now flip the script. And instead of us going out there, you know, playing as a team, we're going out there and we're playing for Chase. You know, that was our only goal. Now it's all this work we put in, don't let it go to waste. Let's go out there. All 11 guys rally behind him and go out there and get it done. And as you can see, you know, with the wrist tape stuff we implemented and we started drawing like CD eight on our wrist tape just to remind people, you know, like that, you know, he's one of our guys, he was our, our brother. Um, so when we took the field uh, he was out there with us.
0: Yeah. And just, you know, being there for that game where I think you guys, hit I think it was like six home runs the next day after there uh, you know, you're never going to be able to replace his production with just one person, but everybody's stepping up, doing their part. I mean, just as a coach, like, what else can you ask for from your guys?
1: Not much. I mean, for them to respond in that way was uh, something you can't really put words to. I mean, the fact that they were able to go out there after such a heartbreaking, like, injury. Um, they were able to go out there and really come to life hitting-wise. Um, really went out there, got the job done. And, I mean, props to all those kids. I mean... I'm beyond proud of them for how they responded to something like that.
0: Yeah, not only did you guys win that state championship, you did it in Delco and Newtown Edgemont. So what was it like being able to look around? You got, I would probably say, thousands of people, definitely hundreds, most likely thousands of fans just surrounding there, winning the first 12-year-old state title since the 50s for this program.
1: Yeah, I mean, ever since I was younger, like even playing and just going as like fans, like I always would love going and watching watching games at Newtown Edgemont. Um, It's such a great field, great complex to go watch games and just enjoy the game of baseball. So for us to be on that stage, 12-year-old state championship, you know, being 10 minutes from home, um, having all this support, it was really something that, you know, was like – seemed like a dream. Um, The biggest thing, like, for us was – like we step on the field and we're looking around there's thousands of people and, you know, nobody really sees crowds like that at literally games besides at Williamsport. So, and the one thing that really made it cool for us is it's a bunch of people we know. So getting all that support, seeing old faces. I mean, I saw kids that I played with when I was younger showing up in their old media jerseys, stuff like that. So it was, um, it was really cool the support we got and that was only really the beginning of uh, what was the call man i sure wish i could fit in my old media jersey i think
0: i'm a couple uh, a couple of slices of pizza away from that but uh no i mean it was it was definitely special i mean i saw kyle Verbitsky was there uh, just a lot of old media alum i know um you know there were people keeping tabs the whole way and it seemed like a, a lot of kids this age would see that stage and kind of get scared but just like talking to your guys especially austin like they they wanted more people there like they were like telling everybody you know to come out because like the confidence that that group had it's like if you know that you got it then you want people to be there you want the lights on and all that kind of stuff
1: yeah it was crazy i mean like that was the one thing that impressed me probably the most is how these kids handled their pressure throughout obviously the whole summer um regardless of the crowd size they went out there and what i i constantly preach to them that when you step over the white lines you know it's it's 12 versus their 12. So um, the fact that they were able to really embrace that, I mean, one thing people forget is, you know, they're 12-year-old kids. So the fact that they were able to play in front of such big crowds and stay focused and do the job was uh, really impressive. Yeah, I sit here at
0: 24 years old, and I would be shivering if I looked around and saw that many people. You know, we don't unfortunately get that many uh, fans for the Duggan League finals. But, <laughs> and, uh... you know, so after you guys won that game, You move on to regionals in Bristol. You know, everyone's talking about ESPN. It was weird, though, because, like, there weren't as many people there as there were in states. But then you realize, like, you know, someone could just flip on ESPN and watch. So, like, what was it like making that jump? You know, you played all your games within, like, a half-hour radius of our area. The next thing you know, you're in Bristol, and there's teams from all over the place. So, was that, like, a weird jump to make, or you guys kind of at that point just locked in?
1: I mean, it was definitely weird going there because – there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that people don't know. Like you have to do a lot of interviews, a lot of media stuff. Um, and these kids, you know, they're living on a schedule. Most of these kids, like I said earlier, they're 12 years old and now we're living in dorms. Like they were getting treated like they're some college baseball team. So we're living in dorms. We got scheduled breakfasts, lunches, dinners. Um, so it was a lot to adjust to in the beginning. Um, And then game wise, as you said, there wasn't as many fans as States, but I think the cameras kind of got to us a little bit in the beginning when you're looking there and you see this big camera in your face with, you know, the ESPN logo on the side, everybody's kind of like, Oh my God, like how many people are watching? So yeah, it was definitely tough in the beginning. Um, you could definitely see that we were nervous, uh, in game one. Um, but like I said earlier, like these kids, they're resilient. You know, they bounce back. They they always find a way to persevere. And once they finally got their emotions under control, I mean, you can put a camera in these kids' face today and they act like it's nothing.
0: All right, let's 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 talk about that regional championship game. One of the most bizarre games I've ever watched because you guys were being no hit until the final swing of the game. And just talk to us about, like, that moment, you know, when Trevor Skronik hit the walk-off homer. Like, that was just –
1: I've, I've never seen anything like that. I can't say I ever saw anything like that either. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that team was incredible at Washington, D.C. team. They were really good, really talented. Um, and, obviously, we always have confidence in ourselves when we get to take the field and Austin's on the mound for us. You know, the kids really rally behind him and – Whenever he steps foot on the mound, you know, we know he's going to give us a good chance to win. So going out there, um, you know, he got his pitch count up early and stuff. He was able to settle back in, gave us five innings of work, which, you know, we couldn't really ask for much more. Um, The bats were dead, as you can see. You know, we were facing a really talented pitcher. He was mixing up well, constantly keeping our kids off balance. So we knew that we were just waiting for that breakthrough, breakthrough moment. Um, our pitching and defense was just outstanding, the whole run through regionals. And we knew that the bats would eventually wake up. Um, and something that I constantly preach to these kids is, you know, not one person can do it themselves, um, regardless of who it is in the order. We kept saying that, you know, you're going to have your big moment, your moment's going to come. And each kid really embraced that um all throughout the whole summer. And Trevor's moment came and you know, he stepped up there, he gets two strikes on him, he's battling, you know, fouling balls off and then um he just ran into him. So it was it was pretty cool. And then obviously post game, you know, celebrating it kind of kicked in for me, you know, my my inner child in me kind of jumped out and I was like, Holy crap, we're going to the Little League World Series.
0: Yeah, it was funny when all the media parents were like inviting me back to the hotel to celebrate. I'm like,
1: technically I'm supposed to be unbiased,
0: but you know, I'm my own boss, so I can do whatever the hell I want. I don't care at this point, you know, as <laughs> it'd it have been different if I wasn't a media alum cuz like at the end of the day, like, you know, it still means a lot to me to see what this program was able to accomplish and uh, and and going back to the the DC picture for a sec, you know, especially at this age, you know, there's a lot of times kids will strike out and be like, "Oh no, this kid sucks." Like don't, you know, whatever. I remember one time uh, I think it was Helberg who struck out, and he goes back to Doug and goes, that kid is nasty. And, like, you know that a kid's nice
1: if a kid that's 12 is actually giving him props Yeah, more. yeah, that was a – it was a big struggle for us. I mean, a lot of guys, like, the emotions in that game were very up and down because, obviously, when we get to regionals, it's once you get to the championship, it's one and done. So, we didn't – we no longer had that cushion of, oh, well, they have to beat us twice. So, even though we came out of the winner's bracket – We're playing against a really talented team and all it takes is, you know, one good pitcher and a ball over the fence and you're beat, you know. So for us, I mean, going into that, you could tell the nerves were really bad. Um, We were struggling a lot with that. Emotions were constantly up and down, you know. Um, There were – obviously, I'm not going to name names, but, uh, you know, a good handful of the kids, you know, were – you know, some tears were being shed through the game. But like I said, you know, they bounce back and they constantly just go back there and keep fighting, keep fighting. And um, it was pretty cool being able to come out on top. So after you guys won that game, you got
0: right on the bus to Williamsport the next morning. You didn't play until Wednesday. So what was the, you know, the kind of the experience like, like, what did they have you doing for these couple of days that were more off the field stuff?
1: Um, I mean, like I said earlier, it's a lot of media stuff. Um For ESPN, I know people that either watched on TV or came out and watched in person, and you see it on the big screen, there's a lot of video clips of, like, each teams and stuff. So, day one, we had to go over to ESPN, like, their headquarters. We, like, on the complex, we did a lot of interview stuff. The kids got photo shoots and stuff. It was was pretty crazy for the kids. We had some kids that were miserable and, you know, just wanted to go back and sleep in the dorms. But um, they toughed it out. They got that done. then, obviously, they were smiling ear to ear when we got to go down to Easton. We got all of our bats, gloves, equipment, you know, um, the catchers got catcher's gear, um, the uniforms, and everything. So it was really cool. Um, but the, it was definitely a lot. That's, that's for sure. It, it's tough, you know. Like, I, I can't say it enough. They're They're kids. And they're going through all this stuff that, you know, most of us can say we never had to do. So, um, but yeah, that's kind of where they really took the step of getting used to the camera in the face 24-7. So then from, I think they probably won't agree. They were annoyed of how long and stuff it was taking, but it definitely helped them in the long run of getting comfortable being um, in the spotlight.
0: Yeah. Was it hard to kind of try and keep them focused, like trying to balance the fact that it's like you want to enjoy this while you're here. Cause it's a once in a lifetime thing, but it's also like we got baseball to play.
1: Yeah. Um, I think for us, like it was really tough because with all this, you know, behind the scenes stuff, um, the scheduled meals and all this, it was really hard for us to practice. Um, so we weren't really getting great practice. And most of these kids, I mean, we're on the day, like on the road for 18 straight days total. So, I mean, it kind of just got to a point like, you know, these kids weren't sleeping great. Um, So we definitely were slowly starting to hit our decline, which obviously came at an unfortunate time. You know, we wish we could have put on a better show for people, but, yeah, I mean, it was a uh, it was pretty crazy as a whole. And obviously, you know, every team that goes to
0: Williamsport wants to end up winning the championship, but to be able to co- go out there and bring home a win, what was it like? You probably didn't, you know, really appreciate it in the moment cuz you guys were still going, but just being able to look back and say that you got a win there.
1: Yeah, I think um I think it was pretty so so for us uh when we first like, you know, obviously got the last out because A lot of us were really tough on ourselves after that first game. The 2-1 loss to Texas, we feel that, you know, we beat ourselves, gave up two unearned runs, and, you know, we just beat ourselves. You can't really say it any other way. So a lot of us were uh, pretty disappointed in how that game panned out. Um, Obviously, we didn't hit the ball great, faced another really good pitcher, and it just got to a stage that we realized, like, you know, we're a top 20 team in the world and top 10 in the country. So regardless of who you step on the field against, you're going to face somebody that is obviously outstanding. So, um, but yeah, getting that win on, I guess it was Saturday. um, It was really cool. It it finally started to kick in like post game talk in the outfield. And it's like, we just got to win in the Little League World Series, you know, like, most teams that come here, like, yeah, like it's an accomplishment to get there, like an accomplishment to get there. But the fact that we were able to go out there and at least get uh one win under our belt definitely uh made things a lot better. Yeah, and I think
0: probably the coolest moment of the whole experience was just seeing all the Phillies players show up. Like you have guys that are idolizing all these Phillies players, and next thing you know, you know, they're doing their their double sign when Helberg gets a hit. Like, how cool is it to look out in the stands and see the entire I mean, the Phillies roster was there. I talked to, like, Scott Fransky, Like, some of the announcers were there. Like, what was it like just, you know, you grew up 15 minutes from the Philly stadium, and these guys are all watching
1: your team play? Um, <laughs> it was surreal. I mean, you can't really put words to it. Like, I mean, you said it. Like, these kids idolize these guys. Most of these players are their role models, their favorite players. You know, they spend money to go watch them play. So... For them to be in the stands cheering on, you know, these kids, it was really cool. Um, Obviously, not only for them, but like even us coaches, like we're sitting there and we're like, this is a moment that, you know, nobody else can really say they got to experience. Um, But yeah, I obviously, like I said, we wish we could have put on a better show. Um, The wheels kind of just fell off. You know, we ran out of pitching It got to a point that my biggest thing I kept preaching to guys is, you know, we're not here to just put on a show and win one or two games. You know, if we're going to – if we got here, we're going to try to uh, get our money's worth and go make a run at winning the whole thing. So, obviously, back to what we talked about earlier with Chase going down getting hurt. Um, Nolan and broke his thumb. So, it really hurt us uh, pitching-wise because, obviously, Chase was our number two guy. Um, he was, you know, our best arm out of relief, came in, shut the door – um, and then with no one breaking his thumb, it kind of limited us behind the plate. So that uh, took away Nate Zaleski's opportunities to pitch. So we were, we were really uh, doing it with smoke and mirrors. So it was, uh, it was cool that we got there. Um, obviously, you know, didn't turn out how we wanted to, but um, it was pretty cool to see how everybody responded around us.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just talk a little bit more about, you know, just how the media community just really came together. and Honestly, all of Delco in general, but I mean, that you know you look around in any sports bar down on State Street or all of Delco during a game, and they were just packed.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, we probably first noticed it in states with, like, the town of media. And, you know, you see, like I said earlier, you see a lot of old people that, like, used to play at media that, you know, all these, like, old familiar faces – which was really cool. And then when we got to regionals, um, we kind of lost contact with all that stuff. So we didn't really realize how big this was starting to get. Um, I guess it was probably after our second game of regionals when we beat Washington, D.C. and we started to see a lot of things, you know, on social media. You're seeing that not only is it the town of media – it's all of Delaware County and starting to expand to just the whole Philadelphia area. And for us, you know, like I said, they're 12 year old kids and us coaches were like, this is like incredible. You know, you're just getting a bunch of well-respected social media accounts posting about these, like our team, our games. And that's when it finally kind of clicked in for us. Like, you know, like the place is going crazy. And obviously, once we got to Williamsport, um, you know, we're seeing all these watch parties, you know, the bars are going crazy, um, restaurants, everything, you know, people just like we're the talk of the town. And um, it was it was really cool. Um, It's something that obviously is like a once in a lifetime experience. So for them to all kind of rally behind us and cheer us on really uh, gave us an extra boost.
0: Yeah, and on Saturday you guys got the chance to have your parade down State Street. You walked down the street with hundreds of you know, media, friends, family, and just the community in general. Uh, how cool was that to be able to have that experience with the whole town just you know recognizing the success that you guys
1: had? It was cool. I mean, like I said, just like the support all around was incredible the whole way. Um, it really you know lifted these kids up. I mean, it's tough staying on the road. I mean. It, it, it's annoying when you have a typical sleepover with 12 year olds and these kids spent 18 days together. So for them to, uh, live together, uh, began, began to become a little bit tough. So, um, having like this support just all around about, you know, the whole baseball aspect of everything was really cool. So obviously the parade and media was awesome. Um, you know, these kids are superstars. They're, they're famous. Having kid, little kids come up asking for autographs, that's something that not many people can say uh, they'll ever get. So, um, yeah, it was just something uh, really cool. Yeah, I had, I had Trevor Skoranek
0: DM our account and ask if we we're going to be covering middle school baseball. I'm like, hey, man, like, I'll see you in four years when you're on varsity. <laughs> like, unfortunately, we don't uh, we don't have the resources to do that. Uh, but when you when you think back on this media team, like years down the road, what do you think you're going to remember most about this group as a whole?
1: Um, Honestly, their brotherhood and perseverance, Um, they were a very tight group. I mean, they hang out there. I can't tell you how many like team parties they were having, even if they didn't tell us coaches because we didn't want them getting hurt or anything, but, you know. But, yeah, they were constantly with each other. You know, they're talking to each other 24-7, just a really good group of guys. And their perseverance through the whole summer, I mean, the amount of injuries we had to deal with was crazy. And the fact that they were able to go out there and one guy after another just step up and really pick their teammates up was uh, something that uh, was just incredible.
0: Yeah, I, I've never seen a team just get as banged up as this group. Like, I didn't I didn't realize until the, the ceremony speech after, like, I think, what, Patrick had stitches. Uh, someone was in a walking boot, like, and then took it off to play in the district championship. Like, that's just – it just shows how much they wanted
1: it. Yeah, yeah, we were uh, really beat up. We had a lot of injuries down the uh, whole stretch of the summer. But, um, yeah, like you said, it just shows how much they wanted it. They know that they put in the work. The whole summer. I mean, we started June 1st practices, not to account for the winter workouts we did. Um, we got to two a day practices. You know, it, it was just their commitment was obviously the biggest factor. And, you know, they put our, their trust in us coaches and, you know, we were able to all go out there and get it done.
0: So now that you've got this experience, uh, obviously, I'm sure you'd love to to keep coaching. Do you think that you would have, like, in mind, like, what level? Would, would you like to coach like if, you know, if you consider yourself like to keep building the career, like where would you want to coach?
1: Uh, I mean, I'm open to all opportunities. Um, obviously, I love coaching travel ball. I love giving, you know, lessons, stuff like that, working with kids one on one. It's just cool being able to interact with guys. Coaching is one thing which I love, you know, working with teams. But um, working with guys, obviously, one-on-one is a whole different aspect. And uh, being able to connect with them, you know, talk about not only but the physical side of baseball, but, you know, the mental stuff, being able to help guys, like, in that direction is uh, something I definitely uh, am in love with. So, um, but, yeah, I'm kind of just rolling with the flow of things, seeing where it takes me. Um, But, yeah, I obviously love to coach, and I'll uh, see where it takes me.
0: Just promise me wherever you go, you're not missing the Delco League playoffs next year. <laughs> yeah, that'll be the goal. Hopefully I'm back next year. All right, listen, man, I appreciate you taking the time to come on. Uh, congrats on a great season and uh, catch up soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right, thank you to Tommy Bradley for joining the program. Uh, you know, I will say I am excited to get him back on the field in the Delco League next summer because, you know, it, we missed a lot of games uh, You know, the show went on without him, but he's a great guy to have uh, in the dugout. And I appreciate him taking the time to come on. And you can just tell, like, how much him and his dad enjoyed doing this, enjoyed doing it together, and how much the kids loved having him there.
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. It's I mean, it's got to be one of the kind of once-in-a-lifetime experience, really.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and, you know I- – You could just hear when he talked about it, like what it meant to beat Aston Middletown, because they, you know, him and his dad, like they did this. They went from 10, 11 to 12. Like they were there all these three years. Mm -hmm. So watching that Aston Middletown team beat them when they were 10, then beat them when they were 11 and then go on to win the region. You know, obviously the third time was a charm there and it it added the fuel to the fire for sure.
2: Oh, yeah, 100 percent.
0: All right, well, I guess that wraps up our media Little League coverage. Uh, you know, now that we know how much fun covering Little League is, that's going to be something where every year, because like every year there's going to be the Delco District Tournament at the very least, and then yeah. the Delco team's going to go to sectionals. So we're guaranteed that every year. Anything else, you know, who knows? I mean, I, didn't, I don't want to take it for granted, like, what we got to see this year because, like, along with that and then Strath Haven going to the state championship, like, those are things that don't happen very often that we got in year one.
2: Yeah, no, that was a very, like, I don't know, that's, I don't really think you could have a first year of this go any better between having Strathaven in the States, having a dude get drafted incredibly high, and then, like, a Little League World Series team just to top off everything, like, that's... It's been a hell of a year, man. It's yeah, been it's,
0: long. You know, we don't want to peak too early. It's like, I feel like we're Friday Night Lights right now where it's like in season one, it's just like the best by far. And then everything <laughs> else just goes down from there. Uh, but no, I mean, you know, it's exciting. And I won't take that for granted because we might never make it back to Williamsport. We may never make it back to State College, right? Like those are... I would hope we, we
2: make it begin. back to State College. I,
0: I, think, I think it's, it's likely, especially, make it back. especially the way that they do the classifications now mm-hmm. because when there were only four classes, you know, the Delco schools can be as good as they want, but they're still getting pounded by the North Penns of the world that have like 1500 kids a, a grade, right? Like, you know, the pen all those big schools that would just kick the crap out of them. One, the district. I'd,
2: I'd say though, I'd like to see those teams play Strath, like Strathaven and, you know, throw Alex Park or something like that. I don't yeah, That's true. That's a game that I still think Strathaven wins. Yeah. It, yeah, it, 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 mine, short of maybe like I don't know, like Father Judge and some of those guys, like the Strath Haven rolled pretty much anyone when Pac was on the mound.
0: Yeah, it, I still I wish know. they uh, they got to play Bonner. That would have been so yeah, good. Yeah, that would have been awesome. Man. Yeah, well, unfortunately, they ran into an MLB draft draft pot prospect. Uh, shout out Miguel Hugas, who just tormented our program. Yep. Yeah, he, Miguel yeah. Hugo's does not like Delco baseball for for some reason I don't even think he knows what it
2: is I think, no, God, no. Just, no. I think he just he just came here to hit destroys baseballs yep he's he's a destroyer of worlds that's he'll yeah. be he'll he'll do great down in I guess he's down in Alabama now was, yeah
0: I yeah I don't think he got drafted which honestly surprised me um yeah but he'll get the chance I wonder if he'll stick as a pitcher or a hitter but uh all right let's move on here to so we we put out this article uh this was on Tuesday about the the all-Delco League teams, kind of wrapping up the Delco League stuff We wanted to take some time, crunch the numbers, and get after it. But we have the all-Delco teams uh, released, you know, and, and I mentioned in the article we wanted to do it for high school, but, like, we really didn't get to see enough of the games in person that, like, stats can tell you something, but, like, I'd be putting kids on the list that I, I don't – like, I've never even seen them before. Like, I don't even know what they look like. Like, it just – it didn't feel right for something that, obviously, these kids would care about.
2: Yeah, and I mean, also, like, for one, the Delco Times does do that, and that seems to still be, like, kind of the big one. I mean, obviously, we can do one next year when we have more time, but that was even for me having come on. uh, I mean, I came on the Delco Baseball now, what, like, half, two-thirds of the way through the year. I was in no way qualified to have (laughs) any kind of say on, like, who. I mean, I only saw – I saw Springfield play once. I saw EA – Bonner, Upper Derby, and Strathaven. Like I saw like five teams. It's be- Yeah, like we
0: were naturally gonna be biased because I mean I saw Strathaven and Bonner play way more than anybody else just because I was at school and, mm-hmm. and our World Series so long that I came like I was playing against Virginia Tech when Strathaven and Rustin were playing like in that district you know, uh, I think semifinal game. So it's like, I, you know, I just can't. Yeah, I mean,
2: that was, I did the whole, well, cause I was, I was the whole district tournament. I think I, yeah. that entire district run. And then once you were back by the States. Yep. yep. All
0: right. Well, now that we have the uh, handy dandy screen sharing function, let's pull up our, uh, our all Delco league teams here. Uh, I would like to give a quick apology to one Chris Salvi, because I, I had him on my, <laughs> uh, I had him on like the, the Google, you know, the Google Excel sheet. And I just completely, like, I, in my head, I went like, you know, all right, you know, whole infield, pitching staff, two-way, good. And then I just completely forgot to add DH in there. And the second he, like, swiped up, like, I saw a notification that said Chris Salvi I'm like, oh, I messed up. I messed
2: up. I messed, I
0: messed yeah, up. Yeah, and then, like, you no, know, he, and, like, he wasn't, like, rude about it. He was just like, I'm sorry, man. Like, how am I not on here? And I was like, well, I I forgot to add the DH. Like, so you're on there. Uh, and then, you know, he, he was like, why wouldn't you just put me at first base? I'm like every game I saw you were at DH and I yeah, wish I saw him
2: I actually he played first base a couple times in the semis. Yeah. But-
0: I wish game changer would tell you how much each person plays each position because like going through every single one and looking for you know each player and how much the DH was tough. but either way, I mean he had the best offensive season in the league by far. Uh, mm-hmm. just made sense to put him at DH there. He comes to hit baseball as far. I mean in almost 1200 OPS seven homers. I don't think from the stats I saw, I don't think anyone else hit more than three. So, I mean, he
2: was a no-brainer. No. Yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, obviously. It's, and that was, yeah, with the positions. It's I Because I, I think I did a lot of the, the number crunching there bef- before I sent it over to you for, like, the final edit. And, yeah, for the positions, like, I was just scrolling through games and seeing who played where. I had thought that he had a pretty – Like, even split of DH the first base, or like enough DH that makes sense to put him there. I don't know. This is a fun puzzle to put together, though.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, anybody listening to audio, we'll do the quick rundown. So, this is our first team here. Excuse me. Catcher, we got Christian Strickland from the Upper Derby Blue Sox, Cody Clausius, our first baseman from the Aston Valley Knights. Second base, we have Tim Dickinson from the Drexel Hill Ducks. Nate Sides is our shortstop from Wayne. Third base, And he played catcher all of the high school seasons. This is very impressive, especially because he played very well in the field, too, is Mark Petrani from the Drexel Hill Ducks. Of course, Chris Salvi is our DH, Uh, our outfield. We went with Matt Breiner from Wayne, uh, Andrew Yates from Upper Darby, and Sean Edivon from Aston Valley. Man, this this would be a brutal lineup to go through as a pitcher uh, facing these guys. But uh, a couple numbers I want to point out here, and I'll start off with Christian Strickland. He's a catcher that played 35 out of 38 games. Now, obviously, he didn't catch
2: every single game, but he caught most Uh, of them, right? uh, He caught – dude, he had to have catched – At least 30, right? Yeah, it was like 32. Like, he probably caught 32, 33 games and then maybe DH'd or played first in the other ones. But he was out there every day. Like, that's – I mean, he won the MVP this year. There there really is no amount of value you can put on a catcher that in this league is, one, there every day, and two, able to just play every game. I mean, he did double headers. He did all – he was incredible for us and really has been for a while.
0: Yeah, 371 average, 1017 OPS. He had three homers. Uh, that was, you know, probably the easiest decision in terms of just like putting someone in a position besides yeah. just locking it up. Yeah. Uh, Cody Clausius he was the first baseman for Aspen Valley. 991 OPS, 362. Uh, I know that he at least played for Gettysburg. I don't know if he's still there, but he was a, a Gettysburg guy. Uh, I was very impressed by Tim Dickinson because, you know, he's a guy that's going to St. Joe's. He's a Malvern prep guy, but he came into this league right away and had a 1090 OPS. 11 steals in 24 games, too.
2: Yeah, he tore it up, man. That was – he was one of those guys where I I wasn't really sure when I went to go look. But, I mean, his jumped off the page. He was – that was – it was tough between, like, him and sides for shortstop until I realized that he had played a bunch of second bases. And was like, oh, perfect. I can just put him there.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, Yeah. Yeah. But that that was – yeah, he had a hell of a year.
0: Yeah, and, uh, and, you know, it's funny. So we'll switch to third base real quick from Mark Quattrani, He went to the Haverford School. So him and Tim Dickinson are going at each other all year in the Interact, you know, a bloodbath of a conference. And the next thing you know, they're lining up in the same infield together and uh, both having great years. I mean, Mark hit 350, 1,000 OPS and two homers. Uh, I think that I'm, sh- I'm sure you face him at some point, but have you ever seen someone that has a higher leg kick than Quattrani? <laughs>
2: It's
1: absurd.
2: Yeah, it's – honestly, like, Christian used to have a pretty big one, But, yeah, dude, he makes it work for him. Yeah. That, that kid can play, man. And that was – he was, like – I feel like Drexel Hill had a pretty good rotation of catchers, of, like, really solid catchers that they would put out there. Yeah. So that – I don't know. And then he went out, like, doing that, and then being able to go play third base and just kill it. Like, he was incredible defensively. He made – I feel like he made a ton of plays against us playing at third.
0: Yeah, and I'm I'm curious if, you know, he's going to Cornell, and I'm wondering if that's something where they see his bat and they see his athleticism, and and it's kind of like a, you know, not to compare him to Bryce, but like a Bryce Harper thing where it's like, hey, dude, like, we're not putting you behind the plate. Like, Kevin Mahalan was uh, was the best catcher in Haven history, and the second he got to Delaware, they're like, yeah, dude, like, you're an outfielder now.
2: Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see what they do. I mean, he's one of those dudes where he's good enough where maybe they – just try to find, like, if his bat's good enough, maybe they try to find a place to put him. And his versatility is going to make it pretty easy to find a spot in the field for him. I'm sure if they really want him to do outfield or something, he could probably figure it out.
0: Absolutely. All right, last guy in the infield here we talk about is Nate Sides. Uh, Sides joined Wayne, I believe, in 2021. And, man, just watching him hit is just an absolute pleasure. Like, he had a stretch where – So in game, I want to say game two against Aston Valley is actually, I think it was a game we lost. The only reason he didn't win the Delco stakes player of the game. I think he went five for five and he's just someone where like, he doesn't get fooled. You know, like if you throw him an off-speed pitch, he's ready. He could take it, you know, all sides of the field. I mean, he's not like, he's not the biggest power hitter. Like he only had one home run, but he hits the ball loud. He hits it hard. Like he, he's not really, he doesn't really get under many pitches, which is why he's so consistent as a hitter. I mean, 382 average. 9.27 9.27 OPS, just an incredible hitter, and he's great in the middle of the order, great shortstop, you know, and uh, and it's it's no surprise why he was a D3 All-American at Alvernia.
2: Oh, yeah, no, and that's – he really hasn't lost much of a step at all from his time in Alvernia. He, he can still swing it, man. And the funniest part about his season, and
0: I think we talked about
2: on the show before,
0: is he left for two weeks because he got married. Congratulations. Uh, Congratulations. And he just came back and just – just kept mashing. Like he didn't even miss a step. You know, he just showed up. He's like, all right, yeah, I'm good.
2: That's pretty sweet, man. A little, yeah. little time off for the honeymoon, just like.
0: Yeah, yeah, and just right back at it and uh, and doing his thing. But speaking of Wayne players that went to Alvernia and also that went to Pencrest, let's talk about Matt Breiner here. He was probably our most consistent hitter all year uh, for Wayne. He had 391, 982 OPS. But, you know, the most impressive thing is, man, that 522 on-base percentage is really, really impressive. You know, he is a guy where it's the same thing. Like, he's not going to, you know, he's not going to go yard very often, but he's just an absolute pest to pitch to. He'll hit it anywhere you need it. Had a couple doubles this year, uh, but most importantly, man, like, he's just not phased in the box. Like, he doesn't care who's out there. He's going to produce, uh, and, you know, another easy pick for first team.
2: Yeah, definitely. That was one of those dudes where, like, I mean, because so I faced I faced both of them in high school. I actually think – not to pat myself on the back, I'm pretty sure my junior year I either – I CG'd Pencrest and we, like, won. And I think we were facing those – like, those two guys were definitely in the lineup. So that, that was probably one of the better games I've ever pitched in my life. But, yeah, dude, he's just, like, elite contact hitter, really.
0: Yeah, he doesn't strike. I, I don't have the stats right in front of me. I want to pull it up, but it just, like, he does not strike out very often. And, honestly, that's the thing – like, when you look at our Wayne team, we don't hit for much power. Like, Stephen Wells and Alden Mathis had two homers. They led the team. And granted, some of that is a part of Devin Prep's new massive field. Mm -hmm. But with that being said, we played, like, 20 games on the road, combining regular season and playoffs. Uh, Let's see. where I'm pulling up Reiner's stats here. 22 walks to seven strikeouts. Like, you'll take that on your team any day of the
2: week. Absolutely.
0: All right, let's move on here to uh he's on your team but he's my guy. That's Andrew Yates of the Upper Darby Blue Sox. Sorry. 25 games, 375 average, 10 1071 OPS, 3 homers. I, I I won't say that I was wrong about Yates, but if you told me when I was a senior in high school and he was a sophomore that got called up for playoffs that he would have had as successful a baseball career as he did, I probably wouldn't believe you because he's someone that Like, when he was in eighth grade, man, like, he was a meatball. He was a heavy kid growing up, and (laughs) now you look at him and he's jacked. Like, he's in great shape. He's a great player. He's had a good career for Widener. Like, he is just the definition of, hey, man, like, work harder.
2: Yeah, no, it really isn't. I mean, he's been – since he showed up for us, I don't know how many years ago, like, he's just been consistent, like, pretty much putting up those numbers. He's been a really good hitter it's really been cool to see like how his career at Widener ended up how it did. I mean, he as probably their best hitter and then to get him back here now and just kill it for upper Darby on another year. It, it's been, he's been a joy to play with.
0: Yeah. Good dude too. Uh, shout, yeah, out, to definitely. shout out to him missing the 21 Delta league finals to go on vacation with a girlfriend. Cause that meant I got to play. So shout <laughs> out. To you. I appreciate it. Uh, no, but, I mean, yeah. Yeah. We still won. Hey, that's all that matters. Uh, Yeah, no, but, uh, you know, I I would rather be playing with him than playing against him for sure. But, uh, you know, he's someone that I I could see as long as he stays in this area playing for this league Mm -hmm. for a long time. All right, last of the outfielders here. I actually don't have too much to say about him because I don't really know him that well. I only saw a couple games with Sean Edivon. I mean, the numbers, when you look at him for Aston Valley, you know, 312 average, 982 OPS, two homers. That OPS, the average makes me think he was just a doubles factory.
2: I would imagine he was, and so he was a guy who was, I guess, pretty like he was a recommendation. Well, not a recommendation, but like a guy that, you know, when I asked different people who wanted to nominate, like he was a, he was pretty much the first name out of Dylan Everly's mouth was him. And going back and seeing like he, he, I think he had a really good, definitely like a doubles factory, and I guess Buggy's probably a good field to do that, but. Yeah, he, he had a really good year, played a really good outfield for them, if I remember correctly. Um, and then I think, he's, I think he's at Wilmington now.
0: Yeah, if as- you ever don't know where someone on the Aston Valley Knights is, they probably play from Wilmington.
2: Yeah, you got a good um, shot. Yeah.
0: No, I mean, Sean did well in the playoffs. Uh, the thing – the reason I guess I didn't realize until watching him play in the playoffs how good he was is because Aston had their stats private. You know, every other team was public, so I was able to see kind of like throughout the year as mm-hmm. guys went. But I guess – just due to me being away and just you know having other conflicts and going to Ed Co games, whatever. I just didn't really see Aston that much. And you know, you know how the regular season is. You never know. Like you're not going to get your full best lineup every day. But uh, but yeah, congrats to those gentlemen there. Let's talk about let's talk about the pitching staff here. Uh, Cam Mathis was a no-brainer. I mean, he had a .72 ERA. He was five and zero. He had fifty two strikeouts in those thirty nine innings that he pitched. And for the second year, man, he was just lights out in the finals.
2: Yeah, that was that was brutal facing him. <laughs> uh, You're like,
0: you personally didn't have to actually
2: face yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, that's. I, I mean, granted, like you'd probably give me trouble if I were in the box. So, like, yeah, I'm really happy I didn't have to face him. Oh, you just gave me a new content idea. I throw live to you.
0: I, I think would, that would be. So I would much take
2: fun. you deep so fast. I was just be trying better. To I throw like there.
0: sixty-eight miles an hour. Yeah,
2: man. Let's talk about BP. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I, honestly, though, I think that if I faced myself, I would actually get myself to ground out because I throw so slow that I wouldn't know what to do with it.
2: That's a good point. See, that's yeah. like the slow is exactly what I like excel at. Anything over yeah. seventy, I'm screwed.
0: Yeah no once and we'll have we'll have reverse content what what people want to see where we face each other uh, over the winter because I think I want to say in my career I'm maybe like one for four two for four against you two for five like something it, it's not a big sample size yeah yeah not enough I don't um, know. Yeah. all right well, let's keep it moving here we got to talk about Johnny Gonzalez just what a career he had he is claiming that he is retiring at the age of fifty I'll believe it when I see it but man ten and one a two point oh four ERA for someone that's not considered a strikeout pitcher he still had 64 Ks and 75.1 innings pitched i i think I, because i played with him and i was hurt last year i think i'm 0 for 1 in my career off him i haven't faced him much but he just makes everyone off balance and uncomfortable
2: yeah i mean that that's his game and he there's no one better at it also shout out like 75 innings pitched in the delco league is astronomical like that it's like, that's insane it's a double tim yeah, no, he, he basically, I think he, I mean, obviously led the league in innings and he probably led the league in innings by at least 30. Like it, it, yeah. it was insane.
0: Led the league in cig- uh, cigarettes and coronitas as well. Uh, that as
2: well. Yeah. yeah the, the, by far.
0: Uh, we will have a Johnny Gonzalez award next year. Don't worry. It's going to be something like an Iron Man, you know, type of uh type of ordeal. Winner yeah, gets yeah. a pack of Marlboros and some Cornitos. <laughs> if they're over 21, we're not going to jail for this. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. All right, let's wrap up the pitching staff here. We got Mike Valente. You know, he was someone that took a lot of strides from last year. And he his last year was interesting. He, he had broke his hand in the playoffs for Strathaven, and he came back with, like, just a couple games left. Like, enough that he didn't even play enough games. He got a medical eligibility, like, waiver. Feely tried to get me that last year. I'm like, dude, I can't walk. I still can't walk in (laughs) August. Like, Don't worry about it. But, um, no, he he took a big leap. I mean, he was up to 90 on the mound, 5-0, 1.82 ERA. Honestly, the only time that he really faced any adversity this year was you guys gave him a good game in, I believe he pitched finals game three, I think, where we went up early and you guys started hitting him a little bit and got him out of that game.
2: Yeah, yeah, that was – I mean, he's been, I think he threw, I mean, he threw well last year in the finals, I feel like. And then he just took again, a big jump. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's definitely, he was definitely one of the guys who like coming back this year has been one of the more improved that I've seen. Um, But yeah, no, he, he threw, I think he did throw game three, through really well. And then like once, I think it was once he got out of the game was when he, we started hitting a little bit.
0: Yeah. I think the runners got on when he was up and then they got in. Yeah. Yeah. After that. Um, yeah, I mean, last year he went from kind of like a power reliever. Now he's like a power starter and, uh, he's definitely filled out a little bit. So I'm excited to see what he does at Cal U now that, uh, that he's going into his, I guess be his sophomore year. But, you know, we, we added a category here cause we wanted to give love to our two-way players, the Shohei Otanis of the world. And I think that, you know, we had a lot of good candidates here, but we went with Luke Zimmerman. He hit 293. He had a 432 OBP as a hitter. He also had a 125 ERA. In 33 innings pitched as a pitcher. And, you know, this one, um, obviously we'll talk about our second team as well, but I think that this one we got right. And, you know, at, at, Zim's got one more year left at St. Joe's. He's a heck of a player. He had probably the one of the best individual high school seasons of all time when Marple won the state championship. And, uh, you know, he had, he had another good summer.
2: Yeah, definitely. That was, uh, I think the pitching numbers definitely jump out when you look at this, I think, in terms of two ways. Like he was by far the best pitcher out of all of them. Um, and then had the batting to back it up as well that he had, he had a really good year.
0: Yeah. And he, you know, it's, it's funny in the dugout, I forget if it was, it was Sean Mahalan or Alden or somebody was making fun of him saying, you know, you were way better at baseball when you were fat, right? Like he (laughs) down a lot. He looks great. Uh, but you know, he didn't hit for a crazy amount of power you know a lot of singles and doubles he was clutch which definitely helped us out. Yeah, a
2: lot. yeah. But
0: you know back when he was playing for Marple he hit like eight homers that year, 8 or 9, you know the <laughs> walk-off double uh in state college so the you know they were joking that <laughs> that he just needed to get fat again if he wanted to hit for power but uh
2: and maybe it's the, the it's the same kind of mass equals gas yeah, uh absolutely. policy is.
0: Yeah. All right, uh, so congrats to the first team. We're going to go through the second team. You know, obviously, we're not going to spend too much time because there's a lot of names, especially with the honorable mention. Got to give our Narberth Outsider some love. Garrett Friend had a great summer. He plays for Eastern, 344 average, 884 OPS. You know, 22 out of there. I guess that would probably be, like, around high
2: 20s. I think they had 28. I think they played 28 games.
0: It's just like I felt like every time I looked in Game Changer, even in, in games, you know, where they kind of got boat raced, like, he was always there.
2: Yeah, yeah, he was – he had a really good year, and he just was constantly there producing. That was – I honestly, like, looking through, didn't expect – just considering the year they had, didn't expect too many guys to jump out. But seeing his numbers and everything, yeah, he he really killed it this year.
0: Yeah, hopefully he's back for them as they look to build on the core. I actually just talked with uh player coach Will Thomas. Shout out Will Thomas, made every single game this year. Played the only every- one.
2: He's, he's the one man who had 100% attendance.
0: Only player um, – on any team to play in every single game. So shout out Garrett for that. That's how you build it's an out. award. I'm sorry. Shout out Will for that. Yeah, that's absolutely a perfect attendance award. <laughs> for sure. All right. Uh, Steven Wells is also a guy that probably did not miss many games. I mean, 34 out of our probably 36 games, maybe. He was always there. Uh, you know, he actually, he struggled a lot early in the middle parts of the regular season, but he turned it up when it mattered. Like there were points mm-hmm. this year, like late in the year, where he was still batting, you know, below 200. He was getting his walks because people are still scared of what he can do. Getting, you know, hit by pitches. He ended the year though, 293, 909 OPS is nothing to scoff at.
2: No, nah, absolutely not. He's, you know, it's Stephen Wells. He's been who he is for, God knows how long. And like he had a definitely like a down year to the start, but he he got back into it towards the end and just again was a problem.
0: Yeah, yeah, and he's kind of one of those guys where he sometimes, you know, since he played professional baseball, he played high-level baseball, he sometimes struggles with the guys throwing slower, right? Yeah. So like once the playoff comes, like, he, he's, like, the kind of guy that would rather see 95 than 75, you know? Like, mm-hmm. he, that's just, like, you know, the kind of hitter he is. Like, he's just so strong that sometimes he's too quick for his own good in that regard.
2: Yeah, and the, I mean, I can imagine that, like, it's probably pretty hard to slow yourself down and, like, slow that natural – Kind of body timing down to some of the some of the stuff you see in the dog. Del- I mean, I was the pitching in the Delta League has gotten really good recently, but yeah, every once in a while, you know, in a tough game where maybe you don't have a lot of guys, and especially if you're facing a team like Wayne, where maybe you don't want to waste guys on a when you probably are going to get beat, like you might not always see the best arm. Yeah. All right, let's move on
0: here. Steve Tyson, our second baseman, uh, great year from Steve. He's an immaculata guy. Twenty-one games, three hundred and thirty-three average. The five twenty-one on-base percentage is elite. Nine fifty-nine OPS, and not to mention he's an incredible defensive player as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, again, like this is just another. At this point, this is kind of what Steve does. Like he he's going to hit over three hundred. You know, it was a very good kind of idea. The strike zone like works good at bats and really doesn't make any errors in the field. Like he, he's been, again, like just another guy who's been incredible for us these past couple of years.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's the same thing with the Blue Sox, man. Like that, that lineup does not change much year in and year out. Like I think no. there was one time last year uh, when, I was, when I was banged up for Wayne where I looked across, and I think your lineup was the exact same thing as the finals, except I wasn't in it. Like I legitimately think that there was one point where it was like eight out of nine guys were the same. And I'm like, damn, like, this is kind of weird.
2: Yeah, I mean, we've. Done, I feel like we've done a really good job of keeping, you know, getting our guys to come back and just, like, stay in the lineup and everything. I know, like, this year we lost uh, Josh Hankins for a while to the uh, to the summer league, but, like, outside of that, yeah, I mean, we've, I don't know, I think that the consistency, like, really helps when it comes to, you know, you just know, like, these guys are, like, veterans of the league at this point. Yeah. All right, moving
0: on here. Shortstop, we got we got to give our Chester guys some love. Uh, they don't keep track of their stats on Game Changer. So, did Dan McShane just like hand count these stats for you?
2: He did. Yeah, that was I. So I, I reached out to him and was like, "Hey, like putting together these teams. Do you, do you have? Do you have stats? Do you have any guys for us?" And Eddie was Eddie was the one guy that he basically said, "Yeah, I know. I know we have Rob Lucas down there." Um, I kind of got that more off of, like, game changer just having faced him. But, like, yeah, Eddie was the one guy where he was like, he, I think he deserves it. Let me go and went and hand-counted the stats. I wasn't sure on, like, the games and everything. This was kind of what he sent me. But I do remember having faced him that he put one on the batting cage uh, against us at Upper Darby. No,
0: no, he's a good player. I remember him as well. Uh, It's just, you know, Chester's a team where it's like you you almost feel like every time you play them, there's, like, a new set of nine guys. yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I remember him specifically. Uh, you know, Chester shortstops, man. I always feel. I remember one time when I was on uh, the Colonials, I got robbed. There was like uh, it should have been a base hit up the middle, and this dude like caught it, like flipped it behind his back, and just like turned turned a double play on me. And like I, I remember like him jogging off the field. I just looked at him I'm like, come on, man. Like really? <laughs> like, you got to do me like that? Um, but yeah, no, they're, they're always a good. They're always a good defensive team.
2: Yeah, that's for all the like roster overturn their, or overturn, I think would be the word they have. Like they always have just a legit shortstop. Like it's, that's, it's that's kind of like, a constant. Yeah.
0: Last year, if we're talking literally world series, he was on that Taney team. And yeah. I remember I was doing game changer when we played him last year. And I saw that name spray I'm like, I recognize this name. And before I could even put it together, he went yard. I'm like, Oh yeah. Yeah. There, all right. Yeah. um, All right, let's move on here. Third base, quick shout out to the Penn State Baseball Club. That is where Pat Mannix plays right now going into his sophomore year. Springfield Colonials, nice solid year, 265, 751 OPS. You know, looking around, like this isn't a shot at Pat, but like third base was a little bit on the weaker side compared to what we usually would see. Uh, But, you know, Pat plays a very clean third base. He started the season hot. He kind of trailed off a little at the end. But, you know, for someone that had never played in the Delco League before this year – and was basically just asking around for teams. I think Springfield was happy to have him.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, he was a guy that. Yeah, I guess like third base was a little bit. Was there's there's like there's a little there not too many people stood up like with him like he I think he was at he maybe missed one game I, I thought he had a lot of extra base hits and stuff like the average was maybe down a little bit but between really between the extra base hits and just having. Been there. I know we've talked about a lot. Like we're putting a lot of emphasis on guys that have been there. Um, yeah, uh, he, he seemed he seemed like the guy for the second team, really.
0: Yeah, yeah. We're going to talk about that in a second when um, we talk about Alden. But uh, we'll move on here. Joey Supa, our designated hitter, the heart and soul of the Albert Arby Blue Sox, three forty six average, nine sixty two OPS. Uh, that one homer was against us in that Delco League Finals game. But <laughs> yeah, Joey is just, I mean, playing something, he's just a good hitter. Like, he's he's a good hitter. I would put him on this team solely for vibes, personally. Just a great, great guy to be around. Uh, but, I mean, I feel like his numbers are pretty much this just every year, 346, you know, 962. Like, they're, they're all just, like, elite
2: numbers. Yeah, I mean, so if we're going on vibes, like, he's clear first team. Oh, he's probably, uh, yeah, no, uh, I meant just on the list in general. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, no, it was really just, like, Again, like we talked about with Steve, we talked about the Yates. like another year, like this is just what he does. And it just kind of a clear second team. I'm sure the statue of him will be up at O'Hara or Curfield somewhere, like sometime soon. Yeah. Um. But yeah, dude, he, again, like just another great year for him. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the outfield
0: here. Now we were kind of alluding to it. Alden Mathis is one of, if not the best hitter in this entire league, but he didn't really join us until very late in the season. Like I think – it might have been with like 8 games left he showed up and played 7 in a row uh but i mean 1173 ops he had two homers hit one on the roof at devon which only him and wells did 417 average not to mention an absolute cannon from center field
2: oh yeah i mean he's i would say pretty easily the best player in the league i don't think there's those people who are close, but I still think it's All-around player. Yeah, he does He does everything incredibly well. And, to be fair, he got drafted last year. Like, he's yeah. a professional-level baseball player yeah, playing in the Delta League. You don't yeah. get too many of those all the time. Um, but, yeah, no, he, he had a really good year.
0: Yeah, it was great to have him back. Especially cool to see him, him, Cam, and Owen Mathis all playing together, uh, which, you know, Assuming, hopefully, that Alden gets a chance to play uh, somewhere else next year. Might not happen again, but uh, great guys to be around. All right, let's move on here. These numbers jumped off the page. Adam Fine, uh, Upper Derby Blue Sox. So, you know, 306 average, 938 OPS, good numbers. Don't get me wrong. 18 stolen bases was what I really looked at. I'm like, holy cow.
2: Yeah, I think that puts him at like third in the league. And that was, we were really aggressive this year. We're stealing bases. And so, uh, I guess we'll get to Sammy later but him and Sammy were just running at will basically. Yeah. Um and then then you know, between hitting 3 and then hitting 300, getting on base a lot, he had a lot of chances to do that. So he he just was a guy who played a really good at right field and just got out and created havoc on the base paths. For sure. All
0: right, we'll move on here. Tom Carey, the new head coach of the Ridley baseball team, not a secret anymore. He's posted about congratulations. it. So not, uh, congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. I'm not breaking any uh any news here? I actually saw him at the Strathaven. No, I'm sorry. It was the Garnet Valley and Ridley football game that I was covering in a Ridley polo. And I was talking to him like, hey, man, like, I don't think your upper Derby guys are going to like that. He's like, well, funny you say that. And it was basically just telling me. It, it Honestly, it wasn't even really a baseball decision. He lives in Ridley, and that position was open. It just it made too much sense. Like,
2: yeah, that does make sense.
0: Walking, you know, he goes from driving 30 minutes to upper Derby every day and to walking to school, right? Like, it was, you know. I'm yeah, sure it's baseball had to do with it, but at the end of the day, uh, good decision for him and his family. But more importantly, his Delco League uh, accolades, you know, he's, he can still get it. Like, he's he's facing kids he coached this year, which is really cool. 362 average, uh, about 900 OPS, got on base in, you know, in a 50% of his at-bats this year. Uh, that dude can play.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's just always a tough A.B. Like, very good hitter. And there's never, like, always a guy you got to look out for. So, that uh, another just guy who, you know, he showed up a lot too, I think, and definitely a deserving on the second team.
0: Yeah, he's got some dad strength in there. I know he's got a little – Oh, uh, yeah. All right, uh, let's talk about our pitching staff. I and mean, We've uh, spent a little more time on this than I think we'd like, so we'll try and uh, speed it up and, and go through that. But Josh Lewis, uh, Sun Valley guy, pitching on his home mound for the Aspen Valley Knights. Great summer for him, 258 ERA. I faced him one time actually in the Edco League, and I got to see firsthand why he was so good for Sun Valley this year. His splitter might be, like, one of the single best pitches I've personally faced just for someone that's pitched in the Delco League. Like, a good splitter is hard to come by at this level, at this age, too.
2: Yeah, dude, he's nasty, man. He'll just, like – I feel like he's a dude who seems to have, like, a rubber arm, too. He was the, – the playoff game I went to cover when they were playing the Black Sox – in the midst of throwing a complete game, he was going in between innings out to the bullpen and like working on pitches and then going back and like just insane stuff coming out of him. They're, they're not loving, they're not loving the Miz's fault. Miz is a gritty
0: program. So, oh, yeah. Uh, next up, we got Frank Parati from Upper Derby. And I hate to say this, but his numbers would be a lot better if it wasn't for that tough outing in the finals. You know, he ended the year five and one, uh, 29 innings, 2.12 ERA. I think before that his ERA looked a lot better, but hey, I mean, tough outings happen, and they're put kind of in a microscope when the sample size for the whole season, you know, is is a little bit smaller. But uh, he's a the sales guy.
2: Yep, yep. The uh, junior junior year at the sales. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so I,
0: you know, I, I obviously only got to see him pitch uh, when it wasn't his best day. But what can you say about him?
2: Um, yeah. I mean, besides the one day that wasn't his best day, he was just. On and really lights out. Like generally, probably leading up to like our best pitcher. Um, in terms of he would just get the ball, go seven, and it'd be seven innings of one run baseball. You know, it, it was a tough. I think he was coming back from like a vacation and like where he was probably away from baseball for a while. It, you know, and back off games happen, so it was a tough one there in the finals. And yeah, his numbers probably would look insane without that. Um, But he had an incredible year. Uh, He really stepped up and, I guess, took over. I mean, I guess Johnny was still the ace, but took over that number two guy who's just going to shut you down. So uh, I'm excited to see where he's at next year when he gets back.
0: Yep. All right, last but not least, we got Joe Paluzzo, our lone reliever on this second team here. Now, Joe's a guy that – he can go in any role out of the pen. You need him to close the game. He'll close the game. Your starter has a rough day. You know, he need, you need a middle relief guy. Like he's pretty much, he kind of just shows up in a t-shirt and shorts every day. And is just ready to go. Like, you know, maybe if he pitches two days in a row, which usually we won't play three days in a row, unless it's rainouts outs or mm-hmm. uh, playoffs or anything, but you know, 25 innings pitched. He appeared in 15 of our 30 something games, 0.82 ERA you know, he really doesn't throw like, like astonishingly hard. Like he's obviously, you know, throws decently hard, but it's a slider. I think that really is what, you know, makes him very effective in this league. And, you know, he was another guy that you want to put him on the first team, but there were, there were starters that just had incredible numbers that second team felt right for, uh, for what he brought to the table. But yeah, he's, he's someone that I trust in any situation and he's got some big outs for us.
2: Yeah, that's hey, all I got to say there. Is shout out to the relievers out there, man. Having, at least through college, been like junk ball reliever. Just tip of the cap. He had, he's been really good for the past couple of years. Yep.
0: All right. Last but not least, our second two way guy. We got Pat Toll, uh, Delco Baseball Now Show alum. He came on before uh, the Mudcats playoff series last year. Uh, great guy. Haverford School alum. Uh, I'm not sure what his plans are now that Cabrini's program, or I guess Cabrini's school as a whole, is coming to an end um but i think they're still playing this year so he might still be there because i think this is his senior year but he hit 297 uh he also threw 18 innings at a one point one seventy ra now this this one's funny so my first at bat of the summer was actually was against pat and i grounded out and it was so wet that i actually slipped running to first and that caused the game to be like canceled and, <laughs> and i remember that since it was the first inning d-bar and feely were both like all right let's just you know we'll start over whenever we pick it up so i'm sitting there like let's go i'm still over oh like that (laughs) that doesn't count nobody knows uh yeah like me almost wiping out of the box was like the reason and then it started to rain after that but the field was just not in playing condition
2: yeah no and that's so he is um does cabrini's got one more year of baseball he i think he's going back that's his last year eligibility anyway that's that's what i've heard um so, man, good, luck with, good luck with that, man. I like, hope hope you guys kind of yeah. go out talk on a really good note.
0: Talk but... about bad luck, man. He was at LaSalle. And their yeah, program man. Killed, and then Cabrini, you know, the school as a whole. That's just brutal luck. But uh, Just
2: a kiss of death for college yeah, baseball Jesus, like, oh, Don't go anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Everybody's like,
2: thank God. Yeah.
0: All right, we're just going to rip through the honorable mention here just because we spent a lot of time. We got other stuff to talk about here. Uh, so, we are going to... Scroll down there. Catchers, we got Jake Fallers from Marple Newtown and Matt Kane for Wayne. First base, we got Jimmy DiCarlo from Marple and Jack Pacella for Springfield. Uh, for infield, we went positionless. So we got Max Anastasio from Upper Darby as well as John Dunyon. We got Nick Mullen for Wayne, Jackson Kehoe for Drexel Hill, Christian Reed for Aston, and Jack Stead for Narberth. Moving on to outfield, we got a pair of blue socks here. Uh, a pair of socks, nice. John Amon and, and Sammy Berman. <laughs> We got Drew Van Horn, who had a lot of time in infield and outfield and uh, was a good hitter for us, so I wanted to add him on. Dylan Pesencheg and Ryan Davis for Drexel Hill, as well as Vinny Proieto for Aston Valley. Wrapping up the pitchers, we got Johnny Fitzpatrick for Upper Darby, Brett Mutz for Wayne, uh, Tyler Reiner and Colin Porter for Aston Valley, Tyler Conlin for Marple Newtown, Joe Rauscher for Springfield, Riley Grohowski for Narberth, Brian Dino for Drexel Hill, and Rob Lucas as our two-way guy. Uh, I think that next year – we'll be able to maybe put a little more detail into like the article itself like maybe we'll have more photographers uh, some more stuff to keep track of but overall i thought we were pretty thorough i thought we did a good job and uh, i'm i'm excited to i'm excited to do this for high school because i think that that's going to get you know no matter what someone's going to be mad at us like i'm naturally. like
2: uh, that's going to get a lot more chippy than like the yeah. Delco league stuff that uh, i'm i'm scared for that this was, i was scared for like the one to come out this time like at least like we Kind of felt, I think we both felt really good about the list we were putting out, and I still do feel good, but I was still like, Yeah, nervous for the reaction. I mean, the like, only
0: complaint we got was because we just forgot to put like the best hitter in
2: the league. You know off. what? That's on us, like, that's a valid complaint, like, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, obviously. Um, but yeah, all right, so let's uh let's wrap up the Delco League here and move on to just a quick update from our minor league guys. So this one will be a little short. We had uh Kyle Verbritsky, Episcopal alum, he was named the team MVP. For the Aberdeen Ironbirds, which is the high affiliate of the Baltimore Orioles, 6-1 and one record, 383 ERA, uh, 25 games, 15 starts, and 103 strikeouts. So he was getting time out of the pen and in the rotation, still effective. And, you know, it definitely means a lot to him to be named the team MVP in his first year in the Baltimore or- Orioles organization.
2: Yeah, that's team MVP is pretty sick. Like, that's that's really cool.
0: Yeah, it just shows how consistent he was all year, uh, you know, and uh, I believe – so that's Aberdeen's high A. So hopefully he'll get the chance for double A next year. That'll be pretty cool. But it's just – I've seen him on the East Coast. Like, I know, you know, he came back for that media state championship, uh, you know, as a a pitcher that is starting more often than he's not. That means his family gets to go out once a week and see him. Uh, I unfortunately could not make it when he pitched – again. I think he pitched in Wilmington against the Blue Rocks, so I didn't get to see that one. Mm -hmm. But – Man, for someone as big as him and someone that, you know, has as much velocity as, as he does, uh, it's it's kind of a match made in heaven for him to be in Baltimore because they're a farm system that's loaded with position players. But then you look at the the major league club and the rotation's like it's yeah, okay. Definitely. You know, they've won 90 games, so obviously it's, it's fine. But it's like sky's the limit there.
2: Yeah, that's big and throw hard with good stuff, which is what he is like. Yep. That's something that people, be it a starter or a lever, like you can do something with that at a major league level. So that's, and team MVP having the year he had, like I think he's put himself in a really good position to kind of move up the ranks. For sure. All right. Let's move on
0: here to Kevin McGonigal because his Lakeland Flying Tigers, great name, great name. Lakeland Flying Tigers are playing in the Florida State League playoffs in the division series right now. They're actually playing the Phillies affiliate, uh, the Clearwater Threshers. They lost the first game, but Kevin's having an unbelievable year for them so far. He's hitting 350 with a 438 on base percentage and 913 OPS, 18 walks to 10 strikeouts. I mean, that doesn't surprise me because when I look at him, you know, as a, the, the, the known scout that I am, like the, you know, the, the knower of ball. Yeah. Like his plate discipline, I mean, was ridiculous for Bonner this season. And just seeing that translate is is very cool and uh hopefully they can have a nice little playoff run it's it's got to be cool for him just kind of spawning into to single a like late in the season next thing you know you're batting leadoff with max clark behind you
2: yeah it's a pretty sick and that's it's cool that they got like the playoff thing so he gets a little bit of that kind of highly competitive you know you're, it's a little bit like a higher i don't know what i guess yeah i guess more competitive kind of level that they're going to get to see him at. so hopefully it does well in that series i mean It's hard to root against the Phillies farm team. (laughs) I got to root for the hometown, but also got to root for the hometown kid. So shout out to him. All
0: right, last but not least, this is one that we were very confused when we were prepping for the show and putting this on here. So (laughs) for anyone that doesn't know him, Andrew Bechtold was a Garner Valley alum. I think Ben, I think he was the year above you, maybe two years above you uh, at Garner Valley. And he got drafted by the Minnesota Twins fairly high, I think like fifth round and signed Mm -hmm. with them out of high school. Uh, he's had a good minor league career. He's he's got an 800 OPS as a hitter in the uh, the Twins' AAA team, the Saint Paul Saints. But what we noticed when looking at his Baseball Reference is he had 15 appearances as a pitcher, and that started making me think like, oh, I guess he's like a you know a position player pitching. You know, whenever the 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 Saints are in like a blowout game, he's the one that goes in. But then I found a video on Twitter of him pitching in a three 0 game, and I realized. He's throwing 97 miles an hour and might be trying to convert to a two-way player.
2: Yeah, that's – I mean, yeah, I don't know what, like, the plan is. I don't think we've really – is he still hitting?
0: So he hasn't – from what I've seen, he hasn't been in the lineup recently. I don't know if that's, like, a production thing. They're trying to get other – it's funny. We actually said on the last show when we were talking about Royce Lewis on the Twins, they were like, oh, maybe he should find – you know, Bechtold should find a new position to make the majors. We were talking trying. about pitcher. Yeah,
2: maybe he's <laughs> we definitely weren't talking about pitcher, but no, hey, that is, that might work. I mean, ninety-seven. What they have like an eighty-six mile an hour slider to yeah, this or something yeah. like that. Like, and
0: you know, obviously, like the numbers weren't great for him in terms of ERA. Like, it's a small sample size. Clearly, it's a, a work in progress. But I want to get him on the show and then just ask him, like, hey, man, like. How the hell did this happen? What is happening? Like, Yeah, what, what is going on here? Like, are, are you done as a hitter? Are you both? Are you the next Shohei, like the Shohei Otani of Delaware County? I think Austin Crowley still holds that, uh, that title. But, yeah. you know, it's funny.
2: So, well, I yeah. mean, if he's doing it at the major league level, then I, I think he kind of has earned that title. Yeah. In my I want to see
0: opinion. I want to see obviously we had Shohei as a starter and a hitter. I want to see a position player that's a closer. I want to see someone play eight innings in left field, then jog in to pitch the ninth inning.
2: We might have our guy here. <laughs> like yeah. it yeah, might we'll be, be Bechtpold. Uh, yeah, we'll be the we'll be the
0: first to uh to, <laughs> to
2: We called that. it. Yeah. We called it when when he's in like a year when he's doing that. That was us.
0: We'll pull up this clip here. Uh September thirteenth, twenty twenty-three. But uh That'll wrap up a minor league report. You know, there's, I think I counted up earlier, I think like 10 to 15. So here's, here's the list of current minor leaguers. I don't think I missed any Calverbitsky was with Baltimore. Nate Furman's with Cleveland, Kevin McGonigal, Detroit, Ethan Pecko, Houston, Chris Clark, the angels, uh, as well as Jack Ahonowitz, Tom Keynes with the giants, Chris Newell, with the Dodgers, Billy Corcoran, Arizona Beck told of course, with Minnesota, Jim Haley with the Phils, and Mark Washington, also with the Dodgers. I don't think I missed any. Uh, I could have, but that was just, you know, what I listed earlier. And, I mean, hey, that's a good list of about, tw- I think, 12 guys. So, we won't talk about all of them every week. I'm going to pick a couple. But, uh, you know, it'll be a busy offseason. I want to get every single one of these guys on here. Definitely. That,
2: that's I think that would be a really cool just to kind of, I don't know, just hear from pro guys.
0: Yeah, just hear, like, I want to hear about how different organizations do different things. I want to see, like, I want to see if we can get, like, Mark and Chris Newell to talk about each other, like Kahanowitz and Clark, like guys that, you know, that may not have known each other until they got to the professional level, which would mm-hmm. be very interesting. Definitely. All right, well, let's take the leap into the big leagues here. We got to talk about the fills. Uh, It was a tough series. They lost three out of four to the Atlanta Braves. You know, they had to watch a team celebrate on their home field, which is never ideal, as they won the NL East.
2: Yeah, that's. I didn't even know that was, like, at stake today. But, yeah, it's it's been a little – it's been a – Kind of let down of a past week and a half, two weeks. Boys are looking a little rough right now. I will say though that
0: for as bad as the Phillies have been playing, every other team in the NL wild card race, and we'll pull that up and we talk about the league as a whole has not been playing very well either. So that's something that they have going for them. Uh, but the yeah. main thing I want to talk about when the Phillies uh, with the Phillies right now is that all they do is make these insane dramatic comebacks and then lose. Like you had. I was at this game when they were down three, and Harper homered off the foul pole against the Tigers. They lost. Harper hit his 300th homer against the Angels to complete the comeback. They lost. They had uh, Turner's homer last night against the Braves in the ninth inning to tie. Like all, like yeah, and they lost. And like they just keep having these awesome moments that get overshadowed by. I won't even necessarily blame the bullpen because the runner on second kind of makes things a little fishy. But it's just like the team as a whole, man. They just like they just keep doing this to us.
2: Yeah, it's like a. I don't even know what the like word of like I it had like I come back and then blow it and I feel like my. You can you hear me?
0: I can now. It froze for a little.
2: Yeah, we lost it for a second.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, but yeah, no, it's just been, I don't know, like. I don't know if this is appropriate, but like, just kind of getting blue balled right now. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of what I was
0: thinking too. And that's you know, uh, it, this is a this is a rated R Delco baseball podcast, so it's okay. Maybe like a PG thirteen. Uh, parental guidance recommended, but not. It's yeah, not required you out. might
2: have a few questions, but yeah,
0: and we got answers too. Yeah, no, it's just frustrating. Um, with that being said. Like I know they lost the series but the, two of those games were very winnable. The last game, I mean Spencer Strider is one of the best pitchers in the league. Mm-hmm. They kind of just I don't know, the energy wasn't there. I didn't like that. But with that being said, they will go into St. Louis this weekend. The St. Louis team that played the Orioles well this week, but it's still one of the lower, you know, lower teams in the league that anything less than
2: 2 out of 3 is unacceptable. They should they should
0: sweep this team real, realistically.
2: Yeah, they, they got to go. I mean they've done well in St. Louis, yeah. Shout out the wild card series last year, but um, yeah, uh, going in here and like getting a sweep would just do so much to kind of get the momentum going. It would it would be nice to at least just go in and see them have a couple like shut down three innings out of the bullpen. Yeah, I, I yeah. think of all the groups that need to see that, like it's the bullpen right now. Like, they need to get some momentum going.
0: Yeah, and it's crazy that. I, I do trust Craig Kimbrell. He's been a little lackluster lately. I still do trust him. Mm-hmm. But that being said, I swear the arm I trust most in the bullpen is Jeff Hoffman. Like every time he comes on, he he's someone that's just locked down. And I was skeptical earlier in the year. But, I mean, Sir Anthony hasn't been himself. Alvarado's still kind of figuring it out coming back from the injury. And it's a shame because how good he was before he got hurt. You know, Dylan Covey get off my baseball team mm-hmm. playing and simple. Uh, you know, there's just like Andrew Bilotti is nowhere near where he was last year. He got sent down. Junior Marte, I don't trust him either. I'm I'm worried. I'm worried about this team. I, I think that it's gonna be very difficult for them to beat the Braves in a series. With that being said, they get them in five instead of seven if they are to hold on mm-hmm. to this top or, or second wild card. They did it last year. You can't expect that to happen again. Obviously, this Braves team has gotten better, but man, like it's just – it's a combination of the Braves lineup and our pitching staff that's just making me a little skeptical.
2: Yeah, no, it's it's weird because the pitching staff was just – they were so good. I feel like they were really carrying through some of the offensive struggles for so long, and now it's almost like things – like everything was kind of running really smoothly for a little bit. And now it's kind of flipped to, like, the offense is doing a ton of work and the pitching staff is just not pulling their weight. So, yeah, I'm, I mean, there's still time to kind of write the shit before playoffs. But, yeah, I'm a little worried about them. But, like, I, shout out the boy Jeff Hoffman. He's been elite. Also, yeah. fun fact, Eric Sim hit a lefty home run off him on a YouTube when, video. When was it, on, was it, it in his
0: the The garage or was an actual game. No, no,
2: it was a generally like they were out of field. He hit a left. He had a home run, left-handed off of Jeff Hoffman. And since then, Jeff Hoffman has just gone crazy. I'm, that's his villain arc. It's like I'm not letting that happen again. Like, I, like it literally was. I think it was, two, not last winter, but the winter before. I don't really know what he did last year, but like, dude, he he's been up and killing it this year. Yeah. I think that yeah. was that was kind of like the uh, I don't know if you've seen the new Spider-Man, but like the canon the cannon moment or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great film, great film. Oh, dude, um, incredible! All right, let's talk. Let's talk playoff
0: rotation here because you know Zach Wheeler starting game one. That's, in my opinion, the only spot that should be solidified. Like you know, when you hear Rob Thompson on the interviews, he's like, "Yeah, it's going to be Wheeler, Nola, Ranger, and Taiwan Walker," which conventionally does make the most sense. With that being said, Christopher Sanchez, I trust maybe the second most in the rotation. Like Nola has been awful. Ranger, I do trust Ranger when it matters. He's a little mm-hmm. – It's just been a little inconsistent this year. Like, am I crazy to want Ranger to start game two of the wild card series if it's not Sanchez? Um,
2: No, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think you're crazy. I mean, like, I think at the end of the day it's going to end up being Nola. I don't think anyone's done particularly well enough to justify it not being Noah. Yeah. Even as yeah. bad as he's been. Um, I
0: think – actually, no, finish what you're
2: saying. Oh, no, I, I kind of was – there was going to be a – that was my uh, – oh, God, what's the, like, spoken pause or whatever? Or I, was, I was letting myself think a little bit more. There there yeah. wasn't really much coming after that. Dramatic pause.
0: Um, yes, yeah. I, mean, I, I think it's going to be Nola, but he's going to have a very short leash. So, you know, imagine wild card series. I would hope that even win or lose, Zach Wheeler should give us six or seven, which would mm-hmm. help the bullpen in a huge way. I would say that what will most likely happen is Nola will start with a very short leash, with either Sanchez or Lorenzen ready to go after him. That's probably yeah. going to happen.
2: I like that too, because and that is like having Sanchez and Lorenzen. I, that's so it's weird. Like I feel like Tywan Walker almost has to start because I don't trust. Like I don't know that like, he's he's kind of one of the one dude there that's like or not outside of Nola and Wheeler. I feel like he's the one dude where like he's just kind of set and soon, like he's a starter. Like, I I don't know that he's able to do that. Ranger, I think, can come out of the pen. And Sanchez and Lorenzen absolutely can. So it's going to be nice. Like, as much as Lorenzen's been struggling recently, like, it's going to be nice to have two dudes and probably him and Sanchez that are capable of coming out of the pen. And, you know, either eating innings when you need it or keeping you in a game or, like, something like that.
0: Yeah, they haven't really had the long relief guys uh, that they trust this year. So that could be a big part of it. Um, all right. So last thing I'll talk about the Phils before we just take a quick look at this weekend, if they have the pitching matchups up, is Trey Turner's just absolute tear. I mean, when we did the standing ovation, we hoped it would get him back to just being a competent baseball player. And he decided just to have like the best hot streak in, may- I won- obviously not baseball history, but the best hot streak, for, uh, maybe a shortstop has ever had. I mean, 11 homers in 14 games like how many shortstops don't even hit 11 homers during the season
2: Um, a lot i mean probably less nowadays but still a lot he was he's had to have had the best hot streak this year of anyone i don't know that has anyone done i mean julio rodriguez had that span where he had like
0: 20 hits in four or five games but in terms of power probably not
2: yeah i was about to say like he's been it's been every night for him since things clicked and It was cool. It was cool. You could see like the exact moment things clicked. It was I forget who was against, but was that like that one home run where you could just tell Trey was back. Yeah. And for um, sure, he's been going ever since.
0: Yeah, big part of the lineup. Uh, I would just love to see everyone hot at the same time. But uh, yeah, let's talk about this upcoming weekend. So uh, Aaron Nola will start on. Friday night. I mean eight fifteen starts. 8-15 start. It's an Apple TV game, so I will not be watching that. No. Um, yeah, gross. He'll be facing Zach Thompson. Don't know much about him. Won't pretend like I know too much about him. Ranger Suarez against Miles Michaelis, who I'll just remember for letting Harper get hot by hanging just a meaty curveball in that wild card game. And then it'll be Walker and Dakota Hudson. I mean, they teed off on these guys like two weeks ago.
2: Yeah, beatable.
0: And they play the Braves again next week, so they, they got to get these wins here.
2: Yeah, that's – try and get through against St. Louis, get hot, and run it back against the Braves, man. Make them – give them something to think about going in the playoffs. They got the NL East locked up. Like, you beat them, maybe a little bit of doubt creeps in, and that, that can go a long way.
0: Here's what I'll say about the Braves. And the last thing, I think the Braves are obviously one of the best offenses of all time, great team. With that being said, they kind of have – and this kind of starts with Acuna. I, I think as a baseball player, he's a star, obviously – but you saw last year when things don't go his way, he kind of just becomes like pouty. Like, you know, he didn't he, – he's not like mm. always running things out. He, he didn't back up the outfielder on that inside the parker. Like, he's just kind of like – I don't know. He doesn't strike me as the guy that when things are going against him, he's got that dog in him to just like, you know, turn things around. Like, he doesn't really seem like a the leader in that regard. But when things are going great, things are going great.
2: Yeah, no, that's my, – my lone hope still is Atlanta is the city of chokers. Like twenty eight three is just keeping me. That's not even a baseball thing. Like twenty eight three is just keeping me going. Yeah, and, and then the, I guess three one to the Dodgers too. Yeah, so. well,
0: and the well, the year they won the World Series, it was the year they had no expectations, right? Like a yeah. was hurt. They traded for like four different outfielders at the deadline. Like they they were an eighty eight win ball club, and nobody expected them to win, so they didn't have the pressure on them. Uh, of, like I actually found that team very likable, that Braves team, because they were yeah, playing. That with- was room for them. You know? Uh, Well, let's take a look at the standings here before we wrap up the show. That'll be the last thing we got for all you fine people here. Uh, Let's take a quick look. We'll start with the NL here. Obviously, the Braves just won the division, 96-50, and plus 242 run differential. They'll be the one seed. Dodgers will be the two seed. And, you know, the NL Central is not quite decided yet. It's probably going to be the Brewers. But, I mean, these three teams have been pretty much leading their divisions the entire year, and not much has changed there.
2: That was, are the Brewers kind of on a tear right now? Or are they like – Looks like – Or are the Cubs it. just doing – Like, Are the Cubs incentive? Yeah, doing Yeah,
0: the Cubs bad. have not been – I mean, I think us and the Cubs have kind of gone cold at the same time. Well, I okay. mean, they're – What are they, Brewers? Six and four in their last ten. Nothing absurd, but um, their pitching staff will be a, a nightmare to face in a three-game series. So, whoever's well, that. six – that's not us.
2: Seed,
0: uh, I mean, I hope we're not the sixth seed. But looking at the wild card race, we're three and a half games up. Now that means three and a half games up on the Reds for the last spot. So really I think technically it would be like four games up. Uh, and depending on the tiebreaker, could be five games up, depending on who the last team is. Listen, I still feel good about their I still I feel great about their chances of making the playoffs. It's what happens once they they get there that's a little bit curious, but it seems like the Cubs kind of are in that number two spot right now. But, man, Arizona, Cincy, San Francisco, and Miami are all within a game. And it sucks that there's no game 163 anymore. It would all come down to just mathematical tiebreakers.
2: Yeah, it sucks. I feel like there should still be a game 163. I feel like that's, like, the one thing that, like, Loki, everyone will root for. Um, But, yeah, no, it's going to be a dogfight for those last couple spots. I feel like Philly and Chicago should, should, like, Big, ev- big emphasis on should be safe, yeah. Um, but it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. Like watch following those kind of final four teams down down the stretch here. Yeah, I'm gonna say, I'm
0: gonna stay with my pick of Arizona uh, mostly because of pitching. I think that you know if you're gonna go into a series against Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Pretty Peralta, well, if you can counter with Zach Gallen and Merrill Kelly, that's a pretty good you know way to go after it. So. Uh, I think that that'll end up being the difference. But, you know, all those four teams are, are locked in it. So that's uh, it's definitely more exciting than I'm going to pull up now the American League race because in the American League race – Wait,
2: just one – can you go back down? Yeah, one second. I need to know if I'm seeing this right. What's up? Has pretty much nothing to – are the Pittsburgh Pirates ahead of the Padres right now? They have the same exact record. <laughs>
0: Let's go. Which is actually, yeah, it's I didn't even notice that either. Let's that's, go. Wow, that, that's I think that's, awesome. I mean, obviously, the Padres' nightmare season. Like you look at their expected win loss and says seventy nine and sixty seven, which is our record, and they're <laughs> like they're just brutal in close games. Uh, the Pirates' I mean, expected win loss is sixty four
2: <laughs> and eighty two. That's seventy nine for
0: them. Uh, a lot of Pirates fans on the baseball man. club that you know just want some hope, but um. Uh, All right. Yeah. No. That's uh, you're you're absolutely right there. All right. Let's move to the AL. um, I need to point that out. Yeah. No. You're right. A big, big, big series coming up this weekend between the Baltimore Orioles and the Tampa Bay Rays. It's a four game series that, for all intents and purposes, will decide the division because right now the Baltimore Orioles are 91 and 54, and the Rays are 90 and 57. Biggest series for the Orioles in six, seven years, probably. I believe it's in. No, it's in Baltimore. It's in Baltimore. So that'll pretty much be for the division loser. That is basically guaranteed to be the one seed, uh, excuse me, the top wild card spot and take on uh, either Texas, Seattle or Toronto. Now I thought the Texas Rangers were kind of left for dead, but they went into Toronto and won the first three out of that four game series to put themselves back in it.
2: I, good for them, man. Like I was, I thought they were done. Like I thought it was just going to go downhill from there, but, hey, a little bit of life, starting to turn things around. Like, that's good. Like, kind of come back from the brink of death.
0: Yeah. No, for sure. And I think that, uh, you know, that was kind of a gut check time. Especially, I think Scherzer got hurt in one of the games recently as well. I
2: think so, yeah. Um,
0: so, obviously, you know, Boston, New York, we, the last time we recorded, they were still in it, seven and a half games. I don't like their chances at this point. To, you know, you'd have to pretty much win out and hope someone – really struggles i don't see that happening so it's going to come down to texas seattle and toronto for those last two spots i mean at this point man texas is going to have that tiebreaker for if they were to finish with the same record so i would like to think that texas has a, a spot in there as well but man even you know texas is only two games back from houston like i just i want to see houston texas and seattle make it nothing against the blue jays but i want to see three teams from the same division
2: yeah, no that that would be pretty cool. I think like that this is another one where it's going to be really weird. Where you have Texas and Seattle, or, and even like you could throw Houston in this. They're all still really going for the division, and then and in a weird way, like once the divisions wrapped up, none of them are really certain that the like one of them might be missing a wild card depending on yeah. how Toronto does. It. It's going to be a again like just a really good. I feel like we got really lucky with this year where just like there's a lot of teams just battling going down the stretch.
0: Yeah. And I think that extra wild card spot, you know, does amazing things, especially for teams that were going to sell originally but aren't anymore. Yeah. Um, I think I lost my train of thought there. But yeah, no, it was, uh, I remember what I was going to say. It kind of reminded me of the time a couple years ago where the White Sox were leading the division like the entire season. And it was either the twins or uh, at the time the Indians like stole the division with like a week left and, and they won it. And since they won it, the the White Sox didn't have a good enough record to make the wild card game. So they went from being in a playoff spot, like the entire season to just not making it at all.
2: Yeah, no, it is very, it will, or could be very similar to that. That's going to be, um, it's going to be fun. That's shout out like, I feel like people have complained a lot about the uh some of the decisions the MLB has made with rules. I think the six wild card was a winner. Uh, yeah. that's been it's it's created a little bit more chaos and like also like you said, like has made and Phillies might be a little bit to thank for that, has made more teams more inclined to buy the deadline. For sure. All right. Wow, this is this is probably
0: the longest episode in show history. Uh it's almost midnight here on the East Coast, but we know. We, we got a lot to talk about, so we wanted to make sure we got that that done. Uh, but we appreciate everybody tuning in here. I, I'm really liking what we're seeing from the YouTube stuff so far. I'm sure there's people still listening, uh, audio only. Uh, if you don't know about it yet, go subscribe on our YouTube channel. I think it's just called Delco Baseball now. Follow us on all social medias, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Delco Baseball. Um, but as always, thank you all for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.